Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton, and today, I mean, pretty good weekend, I guess. State played a great game against Villanova. Very impressed uh, with the Lions. But overall, I'd say A- minus weekend. I mean, state football is probably not going bowling this year, which sucks. Because I think this team needs a lot of practices for the freshmen. But obviously, you don't get the extra 20 practices if you don't make a bowl game. But I just want to lead off with the Pistons today. Tough weekend. 0-2 losses to the Kings and the Lakers. Two games I kind of sat there. I was like, hopefully they can split the two without Cade. But, you know, it really sucks. Everything about this season kind of sucks. Cade's now potentially done for the season or an extended period of time. Stu's hurt. You have Bagley out and Burke's out for a while. I mean, the injury bugs just killing them. And they just have not been at full health all year. And, I mean, I get it. You guys should be mad. You guys should be pissed. You guys should be upset right now with the results on the court because they are probably worse than they were last year on record. Not actually in terms of talent, but on record. You guys have a right to be pissed that they lost 130 points every night. I get it. But at the same time, Ivy, let's start with him. I'm going to say it right now on record. He's going to be better than Cade. Connor right now, he's going to be better than Cade. Watch these last five games with him without Cade. And the day that Cade and Ivy click together, like, it's going to be a light bulb, and that's the day the NBA is fucked. And that's in the nicest way. I mean, it's fucked. The day that Ivy and Cade learn how to play together. But these last couple of games without Cade, Ivy has been probably one of the best players on the floor, if not the best at times. Last night with a, with a great performance, 24 points off four, four shooting from three, had a nice field goal percentage as well. I, that that type of game is, it's something that you need from him. You needed him to step up and become the number one option. He stepped up, became the number one option last night. The night before, he had 17, 5, and 4. I mean, yeah, he took a lot of shots, shot one for nine from three. But he is showing that if he's that guy, he's going to be one of the best point guards in the league. I mean, he's trying to dunk on everybody. He's fast. He's the fastest player on the floor every single game. Doesn't matter who they're playing, but he's the fastest player on the floor. Between his athleticism, between his talent, if he can develop a three, which it's very inconsistent right now. As you can see, you know, he goes four for four last night, but he's one and nine the night before. And that can be fixed in the offseason with trainers and the right coaching staff and the right analytical people that can get fixed in the offseason. But... What I see from Ivy just scream superstar, superstar, superstar. And I'm not saying that for K2 because he's going to be a superstar as well. But I think when the national media is talking about the Pistons, the national media is going to be talking about Jay and Ivy more than they're going to be talking about Kate Cunningham. And that might be a really hot take to make right now. But the more I watch Ivy, the more of like I think he can be better than John Morant in year two, I get. He, he's not afraid to do anything. And that's something that a lot of fucking rookies come in. Killian Hayes for the first two years of his career. I'm going to talk about Killian too later because I'm actually really impressed with him and I'm going to give him a shout out for that. But you're watching Ivy and he has shown he's not afraid. He's fearless. He wants to get a bucket every single play. He wants to yam out at somebody. He's not afraid to take the three ball, even though he, even if he's not shooting well, he's still not afraid to take the three ball. He has the confidence and the swagger of a rookie that I think is going to be a superstar. 
And I'm not saying Cade wasn't like that. But what I've seen from Ivy screams more of, I'm going to win rookie of the year. This is my trophy this year. And next year, the whole league is screwed when me and Cade learn how to play together. Because that's where I'm at. When they learn how to play together, I mean, you're talking about finals. Finals, you're going to be winning those down the road. And it's frustrating. It, I get it. It deflates you that they're 3-15 and 15 this year in a year. You know, you probably expect them to have six, seven wins right now, maybe eight. And some of these games are losing in very ugly fashion. But at the end of the day, this team is going to be nasty at some point. And when they learn how to play together, when they get the right bench pieces, when they get the right talent to surround Cade, Ivy, and Dern, and their draft pick, top five pick this year, it's going to be over for the league. Koo made a good point last night. I don't want to hear it that we're close. I get it. I don't think we're close either. This year's really showing it that they are 3-15. and 15. I mean, you can't say a 3-15 and 15 team is close. I get it. But right now, I am super impressed with the rookies, and that's all I'm going to say. You're going to figure out the bench down the road. You have 40 mils offseason to figure that out. The guy I'm taking a hard look at is Jordan Clarkson. He can boost your bench like crazy right behind Caden Ivey. Another guy I would take a hard look at, like I've said before, is Cam Johnson and Draymond Green. Both of those guys would be perfect. You need defenders. And, I mean, like right now, you need a guy who's going to come off the bench and be your spark. Burks has been pretty good at that lately, I will say. I have no issue bringing him in next year, extending him for two years and figuring that out with him. I'm cool paying him the bucks. But overall, you, you got to go out there and fix this somehow. Hopefully, Wemby's just, you get lucky, you get Wemby, and hey, that's your fix. But it's going to be hard to figure out the fix. I think they need shooters because they have nothing on the perimeter right now. If Ivy's taking nine threes a game, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. Let's be real. You're going to lose games every time. And, And they did that against the Lakers. Last night, though, I mean, 15 for 29 from three was great. But that shooting was unsustainable, obviously, because they fell apart at the end. And then and, and then the Kings get a win. But I'm just getting to the point where it's like, I get it. We have the talent. We have a core. And we probably have the best core in the NBA. But you got to start putting a win or two together. I mean, man, this is just not good. Pull a win out against Denver is all I can ask for right now. Just pull a win out. Get the four wins. I think these guys need a win more than anything right now. It's just deflating to lose so many games in a row. And it sucks. If they come out of this West Coast trip with no wins, that's going to be horrible. I want to talk about Jalen Duran now. And my God, is he exciting. Look, this is another thing I will say. Call me crazy. There's a very good chance that Jalen Duran becomes the best out of all these guys. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's not a take I'm willing to make right now, but it's very well possible. Watch him play. Look at how he plays. He has no skill. He has no fundamentals. He has zero mechanics. Ross player in the NBA. Probably the Ross guy in the league. But he's just making an impact. I mean, an impact that you want to start him type good. I don't know. Maybe Duran becomes the best of all these guys. Because he's just playing with nothing right now. Once he develops a shot and learns how to really finish at the rim, because he's really just dunking it. Watch him try to finish. He has trouble doing that right now. He learns how to defend a little better. His defense isn't so bad. It's because he's blocking every shot. But he's just not, he has no fundamentals as a defender. 
So at the end of the day, you're watching Ivy, you're watching Dern. Kate struggled this year until his injury, but you know what? He was probably hurt the whole way. You got Cade probably out indefinitely for a while. So you got those three guys. I mean, how many teams that are rebuilding right now have three stars in the making together? It, it sucks, but we shouldn't be so worried. And I'm going to move into MSU, and, and let's just talk about it right now. The coaching staff this year is the best coaching staff Tom Izzo has put together. Every play these guys call is fantastic. It, I don't know if it's just they're calling amazing games and we're just winning ball games off of it, which is a very big possibility right there. But at the end of the day, you're, you're watching the coaching staff. You're watching these plays develop. You're watching the blobs. You're watching the sideline out-of-bounds plays. You're watching the defense. And you're sitting there, and you're like, wow, they did a lot this offseason. They built up a perfect playbook. They've been building up perfect game plans. They've been putting the players in a position to succeed, something the Pistons haven't done all year. And on top of that, the coaching staff has gotten the most out of every player. It is very impressive what Tom Izzo and his staff has done. I am very, I'm very excited about it. Because I came in, I'm like, they'd be lucky to get a win out of these six games they had of like you potentially playing UNC, Bama, UConn, Oregon, winner at game. I mean, you looked at the schedule of preseason and you looked at our roster, L, 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 L. That's what you're looking at. But right now, I mean, they're two and one and I'm a staff. They're number 12 in the nation. I'm so happy about that. And I want to talk about the game against Villanova. Outside just the coaching staff, that guard play was unbelievable. You know, big man play was pretty dry that game. Sissoko played a horrible game. Kohler came in. Carson came in. They did nothing. But the guard play made up for it, and the wings played a great game. The improvement of Joey Hauser's this offseason is very incredible to me. The transformation of Malik Hall. This is the player I expected him to be when he was a freshman. Hogard looks like what I expected from him, and Tyson looks like what I expected from him. Overall, I'm very impressed with this team. The defense is phenomenal. The offense is clicking because they're, the coaching staff is putting them in position to succeed. And when that death lineup comes in, of Hogard, Walker, Aikens, Hauser, and Sissoko, games are over. I know it's over right there. I'm in love with Jaden Aikens. That guy is going to be an animal. Senior year, Jaden Aikens, if he's a four-year player, I'm so glad they chose Jaden Aikens over Amani Bates. That was one of the best decisions Tom Izzo has made. And I'm so impressed with this offseason with Izzo, too. He played smartest man in the room. And many coaches tried to do that. And we saw with the Lions, they do it every year. You know, they try to play smartest team in the room on draft night up until Holmes is taken over. They've done that on my entire life. You watch other teams like the Buccaneers in the NFL when they drafted that kicker in the second round. Teams try to play smartest man in the room all the time, and it never works. But let me tell you, the only guy that does it, and it works, and there's very few, let's say Saban, Coach K, Balachek, those guys can play smartest man in the room. Izzo played smartest man in the room this offseason, kept nine guys, put in Carson Cooper as a last-second walk-on, put him on scholarship, told him he was going to be the backup. If you look at this team on paper, 
this offseason, you said they were going to lose every game. And the press question time Izzo about it nonstop. And Izzo always came up with the same answer. I love our defense, and I'm comfortable with the roster I have right now. That is something that I sat there the whole offseason and said, you're an idiot. And I was really, I mean, honestly, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. The press didn't think it was going to work. This campus didn't think this was going to work. I don't think anybody expected this to work. And Izzo's just doing so much with nothing. And it's just unbelievable. I think the bench needs a lot of work. And that's your issue. You get one injury and you're kind of screwed. This team stays healthy. I think they can make a run in the tournament deep. They have the the seniority. They have the big man play out Sissoko. They have the guard play out Hogar and Walker take a run. And if Joey keeps playing the way he's been, and Joey looks like a much improved player. If Joey keeps playing the way he is, this seems going to be a really, really tough beat in March. I'm telling you right now, this is a classic Izzo team. He's got a phenomenal coaching staff around him this year. And he literally, I, I think this is a team that screams March Madness run. I don't want to make that statement too early in the season. It's very early. I'm really curious what they do against Bama in the PK Classic. And then more likely they're going to play UConn. I, I bet they probably beat UConn and then they're going into UNC. So, you know, I'm predicting that they get three ranked teams in a row this week. Then they got to go out next week. And play Notre Dame on the road. I mean, it doesn't get easier from here. And, you know, it gets easier once you get Big Ten play. But he's played a death schedule that I thought was just a dumb idea coming in. And they're succeeding. And I'm very proud of this team so far. This is better than I ever expected them to play. And I think that's something that we should be excited about as a university. I want to move into my third segment now today. That's Detroit Lions. Great game. Really great game. I'm still not buying this shit. I'm not buying in. Let's let me tell you the last couple times I've bought in when this team started winning. We'll start with 2015. Started one and seven. They rattled off six of eight. Finished seven and nine, missed the playoffs. And we're all buying in. Oh, the Lions. They have a chance. They have a chance. And of course, they'll make the playoffs. What about 2016? When they won eight of nine after starting one and three in the season. They climbed to be 9-4. and four. They had a three-game lead on the Packers for the division title with three games left. They played Green Bay on the last game of the regular season. The winner of that game won the division. They won 8 of 9. They were 9-4. and four, And they rattled off three losses in a row. They didn't even get their first North Championship in, what, let's say, like 20 years. They didn't get their NFC North Championship. They finished 9-7, and seven, slipped in as the sixth seed in the wild card, got, the, got blown out. And what about 2017? Out off a three-game win streak between week 9 and 11, missed the playoffs. Every year this team does this. They're leading you on. They're making you believe this is not the same old Lions. But I'm telling you, when Thanksgiving hits, this team is going to get annihilated on national television. They, they probably will rattle off a few wins to end the season, but they will not make the playoffs. And all of you guys are buying in right now on playoff, 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 playoff. I've never heard a fan base so excited to be four and six. The fact we're four and six right now, and you want to, you want to talk playoffs because you've rattled off three straight games. And I will say, two of those three games have been very good football games. I truly believe 
that this team will fall apart. They'll finish with six, seven wins, miss the playoffs, call the season. Which, honestly, seven wins this year, that's Vegas had you at. So, I, I mean, I can take seven wins. On a rebuild year, I'll take seven wins. But I'm telling you, I am still out on Campbell. The fact you guys are complimenting him and saying, oh, well, at least she was taking the points this week and not going for it on fourth and six. Do you guys realize how pathetic you guys sound? It's kind of like the stupidest conversation we have. Like the bar is just set so low that you're happy the guy is kicking it on the 20-yard line. That's how low your expectations are with Dan Campbell. But then you come out and say, this is a great coach, drinking all the Kool-Aid, everything's going to be great, we're going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. It's literally the same shit over and over. Campbell's just not the guy, I'm telling you. like He's not going to win any playoff games. But I will say, he might know what he's doing. Might. That's the key word, might. Because he fired Anthony Lynn last year. They got better after Anthony Lynn. They fire Audrey Pleasant and the defense is flying. He might start, he might be learning a bit, which gives me encouragement. Do I want to give him another year? No. I mean, if they get the seven wins, you kind of got to. I, I mean, at this point, it's like, you know he's not going to win you Super Bowls. You, you know he's not going to be the guy who's going to win you playoff games. So why are we wasting our time with this right now? You know what I mean? Like, we're just wasting our time with a coach that we know is never going to win for us. Yeah, the talent has been great. Shout out to Brad Holmes. He's hit pretty much every draft pick. Kirby's balling his ass off. Hutch is balling his ass off. I'm sorry to you, Hutchinson. I feel like an idiot. I feel like an idiot. I should not have made an assumption right away. He's been fantastic. You got Alamaron St. Brown. He got in the fourth round balling his ass off. You, you, you look at the defense. There's pieces there. Paschal, Quara. When they're healthy, I mean, they're pretty good. You sign a few pro bowlers this offseason, expedite the rebuild. Maybe you're making the playoffs next year. I don't know, but I'm not buying this right now because I've seen the same thing happen my entire life. Holmes is only as good as if Campbell is here. I'm just going to end it at that. We'll see if they're the same old lines. And the final segment of the day is Michigan basketball. You can't make an excuse anymore. You know, after Easter, I'm like, they have a money Bates, they might lose. On a scary, weird game. I made that excuse for them. I thought it was a fair excuse at the time. But they followed it with a 30-point loss to Arizona State. And they followed it with an overtime game against Ohio. It's very clear. Tron's a bad coach. And the team's bad. Same thing happened last year. Five-star, five-star, five-star. And they're squeaking wins out, like, barely. And they were losing a lot of games. They shouldn't have lost. And, you know, the blue wall in the media got Michigan into the tournament without playing. And let me talk about the blue wall. Because this has been a pretty big discussion lately. The media is full with Michigan alums, Michigan graduates, Michigan fans. And everything that any bad publicity for Michigan gets swept right under the rug. And what Anderson did was so bad and so wrong. But in the University of Michigan covered it up really, really well. And they did a good job keeping the media away from them. But when this the same thing happened at Penn State, when the same thing happened at Michigan State, and those were just as bad and they're horrible, horrible, horrible things, you heard news stories running 24-7 for about two years on both of them. This Anderson thing, 
and Bo might have been involved, got swept right under the rug. The media said nothing about it. There was maybe one news story every two weeks about it. Bo might have known. Bo probably did know. And that's not even a discussion we're having. Jawan Howard, all of his outbursts, punching coaches, you know, screaming at Turgeon and in, in against Maryland in March. You know, you've had issues with you guys stealing the ball and trapping down 25 with un, violating unwritten rules. A lot of issues with Jawan Howard and his temper. It seems like it's every seven games there's an issue with Jawan Howard. That doesn't get addressed in the national media at all. But Tom Izzo screams at his kids in March Madness, which is a known thing that he has done for 30 years. Oh, Tom Izzo abuses his players. Tom Izzo's a horrible man. Tom Izzo doesn't care about his players. Well, when Jawan Howard has horrible outbursts, oh, well, it was the other person's fault. They started it. Same thing with the tunnel. You know, this investigation is the dumbest investigation of all time. Should be done in two days. If I was in charge of it, they've dragged on the story for three weeks now. Look, this is what I'll say about the tunnel. There's an incident every week. There was another incident this week against Illinois. And it's just not Michigan's fault. It's always the opponent's fault. Because hail to the victims. You know? It's the blue wall the media has created around Michigan athletics, around the University of Michigan itself. Everything gets swept under the rug with them. And it's very, very wrong that any other school does any of these things. I mean, think about it. Terrell Pryor and the tattoo. How many weeks did that run in the news over a tattoo rule violation? But you have a coach having these crazy outbursts on the sideline, and you don't hear a peep about it from the media. You see it on Twitter. That's it. Tunnel incidents every week. It's not our fault. There's an issue with the Michigan culture. That's what it is. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to have a new episode on Wednesday. We got Thanksgiving previews. I have a, we're going to recap Pistons, Denver. We're going to talk about the Michigan State game on Thanksgiving. We're just going to have a good time on Wednesday. Go, go Pistons and see you guys on Wednesday.